Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce cost and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com strange. netsuite.com strange. netsuite.com strange. Strangers, this is an episode about hunting, and there is some discussion of exhumation after hunting. So, listener discretion is advised. I'm Laura Norton, and this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. Strangers, if you'd indulge us, we're going to be doing quite a bit of time traveling today. First, we thought we'd take a short trip with you, just to get warmed up. So, please, take a moment to think back to 2019. Now, if in that year, you spent some time pondering the topic of feral hogs, either generally or specifically, you are not alone. This really is the fault of, or the gift of, a single man who we'll get to in just a minute. People who hadn't taken a moment to ponder pigs after finishing Charlotte's Web in the third grade, they were suddenly doing advanced Googling on the difference between feral and domestic swine. They had questions about swarms of feral hogs and their farm-bound cousins. But in case you missed that cultural moment, we will refresh you. So hold tight in 2019 for just a moment as we give you a little swine lore. Now... Of course, pigs, they can be those cute little pot-bellied pets from Instagram. But stop imagining those. We first want you to picture the decidedly not-little traditional farm pig. Meat pig is the less pleasant way to describe them. They're the descendants of the feral swine that we'll be talking about in a moment. But what you must first understand is they can get very, very big. After all, they're bred that way. National Geographic explains that a farm pig, especially in close captivity, can grow to be 300 to 700 pounds or, quote, sometimes much more. But it's important to note that domestic is kind of a relative term. Unlike many human-raised animals, domestic pigs that are released to or escape into the wild, they return to their feral roots very quickly. According to Michigan wildlife biologist Christine Brown, quote, 
Any pig that gets out can revert back in a matter of months to a state where it can exist in the wild. It will get hairy, grow tusks, and can get aggressive. They're so good at adapting, and with their scavenging nature, they can get pretty much anywhere. That leads us to the really feral hogs. Like old school, born that way, the forest and fields are their domain. They haven't always been in the United States. According to the Department of Agriculture, truly, quote, feral swine are not native to the Americas. Rather, they were introduced back in the 15th century, quote, by explorers as a source of food. Some of those pigs, they were domestic too and took off for the chance not to be dinner. And then, in the early 20th century, the Russian wild boar was brought over, quote, for the purpose of sports hunting. So when we talk about feral swine in the U.S., we're really discussing a hodgepodge, the descendants of Russian boars and longtime feral hogs, domestic pigs who've made a run for it and gone back to their roots, or, quote, hybrids of the two, hairy, tusky, and widely ranging in size. Now, if you are like us and live in the bright lights of the big cities, it's possible you haven't happened upon a feral swine, we certainly haven't, although we do have some stories about rats and pigeons. So you might be surprised to know that feral swine are, well, pretty common. According to the Department of Agriculture, they've been reported in at least, quote, 35 states, and their population of 6 million is rapidly expanding. And it seems these pigs are pretty darned hardy. Dry and hot weather? Fine by them. Swampy and muggy? They love it. Give them a food source and they are good to go. There's that, and of course, a distinct absence of apex predators wandering around. Except for humans, of course. And humans are unpredictable. These hogs, they do live in many places. But if you look at a feral swine map, and we surely did, the heaviest concentration is the southern portion of the country. Honestly, Starting with Texas and heading east, it's like someone spilled pigs across the map. And in some cases, they, well, did. The Department of Agriculture points out that, quote, human translocation, or the moving of animals, quote, has been a big factor in their population growth in these areas. Some of the hogs, they were brought in for hunting and moved to various areas where hunting was most popular. And we know how the best laid plans go, right? That brings us to our 2019 moment and why you probably know about the feral hog issue in the first place. Perhaps you remember a viral tweet from that very year written by a man named Willie McNabb. He famously asked in a tone that we always found to be both plaintive and absolutely fed up. Legit question for rural Americans. How do I kill the 30 to 50 feral hogs that run into my yard within three to five minutes while my small kids play? We won't get into the gun debate that spurred this conversation because the tweet itself, it began a whole new conflict. Disbelief that this man, who was implying his children could be surrounded by even two or three malevolent hogs, never mind 30 to 50, could be serious. Many people assumed he was a troll or some other form of bad actor, 
30 to 50 feral hogs became the joke of the week in so many forms that we lost count. But Business Insider tracked down Willie McNabb, and as they discovered, he was very serious. You see, he lived in rural Arkansas, and Willie explained his yard was sometimes overrun by, yes, scores of feral hogs. They would truly come stampeding in like an invading army. And if you take a look at the map of where feral hogs have bred and spread, Arkansas is indeed right in the thick of it. Willie told the Business Insider that they'd moved to the area with no knowledge of the issue. So it was terrifying then when his small children went out to play and he and his wife saw what looked like something out of a horror movie, a herd stampeding across their yard. The first time, his children had nearly been trampled. Willie pointed out that no, they weren't murderous hogs. They weren't purposely out to annihilate his kids, but they were very set on their path. And considering that the average feral hog can weigh between 75 to 250 pounds, you can see why he might be a little concerned about his children disappearing under their hooves. Much smaller than a domestic farm pig, sure, but also much larger than a kindergartner. So Willie's story that brought feral hogs into the conversation, that's true enough. But for some of us down south, well, they never really left the conversation. Not since the big one, anyway. Let us explain. We've brought you a fisherman's tale or two in our time. Claims of fantastic beasts chased or caught, true believers and crowds who suspect a fraud, and the news media that, of course, followed every step. But there's one we haven't dug our hooves into yet. And it's right here, way down south of Atlanta, in a land where hunting and fishing are big business. A legend was born long before Willie McNabb ever pondered just how many feral hogs he might have to take on. Unless you're from Georgia, you may not be familiar with the very small town of Alapaha. Even natives of the state may not have heard of this South Georgia outpost, home to less than 500 at last count, but big in spirit. The little town, which sits logically enough along the Alapaha River, was home to one of the most viral and most controversial monster stories of the early 2000s. If you were hip to cryptid tales back then, you might remember this one. A determined hunter, a concerned landowner, and, allegedly, the world's largest feral hog, one so big it earned the name Hogzilla. But evidence beyond a photo was scarce. In 2004, people were already suspicious of pictures on the internet. Still, claims were made, stories were questioned, bristles bristled. Really, it was the perfect story for that time when news had begun to go viral on the internet but still needed the push of print journalism to really reach every corner of the country. So, strangers, time for our second journey. Time travel, back to 2004. To help you get in the spirit, just imagine that you're listening to a pirated MP3 on your brand new iPod mini. At lunch, you updated your live journal from the desktop computer in the lab. When you logged in to the Yahoo homepage to check your email, you saw a wild news headline on the landing page. 
Giant boar tearing through Georgia. You don't share this on Twitter. Twitter doesn't exist. At best, you might text someone about it from your Razor phone, but you are billed per text. What you don't know, probably because you're spending your free time learning advanced HTML to customize your MySpace page, is that this is not just a funny headline. It's a national story. Much of the country is gripped by rumors of a half-ton feral hog that could lay waste to a peanut field or trample a human into the mud. Really, you should have read the story. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Looking for creepy stories? Then we might have a podcast for you. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. Rattled and Shook is a weekly podcast that features new scary stories every episode. Kind of like this. I would hear her say things to me inside my head. I couldn't get around him. I was trapped. The other guy started to get pretty agitated. He grabbed my grandfather's oxygen hose and he cut off his oxygen. Then I started thinking, well, you know, who would be hanging around in this nowhere forest, in this nowhere area? And that's when I started looking more closely. And that's when I noticed there were several shapes. And they were slowly working their way toward me as they were moving from tree to tree. New episodes of Rattled and Shook are out every Thursday. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Richard Serrett. Join me on Strange Planet for in-depth conversations with the world's top paranormal investigators, alien abductees, Bigfoot trackers, monster hunters, time travelers, alternative archaeologists, remote viewers, and more. As I was on the way to Area 51, I was stopping on the side of the road and just taking measurements, and I found this one spot where time slowed down by a fraction of a second. It's not supposed to do that. From the two big categories, animal mutilations and human abductions, you have to conclude that genetic material is being harvested. Well, I reached for a rifle and uh, I, I turned and looked and it was, it was already moving away and it was descending the bluff. Uh, there's no way any human could have went down it. It was probably a 75 degree angle straight down almost. On Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, we're redefining reality. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Do not go any further. Turn around. Go home. Now, back in 2004, rumors had spread across farms and privately owned hunting grounds in South Georgia. Hunters and farmers alike were on watch because a particularly large beast was on the loose. Those who'd seen the swine, they claimed it was 12 feet in length and weighed as much as a grizzly bear. We don't want to spend too much time imagining that, but suffice it to say it was giant and hairy, and it had enormous tusks. Now, you know from our incredibly educational introduction that a feral hog, 
one that descends at least partially from boars. It should not weigh half a ton. That's a thousand pounds. There are always outliers, but according to the spokesman review, those extreme cases had landed in the 500 or even extreme 600-pound range. According to the CEO of the incredibly named National Swine Registry, it would not be unusual for a, quote, farm-raised hog to get to half a ton or more and measure, quote, as long as seven feet. But it would not be hairy and tusky, as the recently spotted hogzilla certainly was. Those were features that only developed over time, when a farm pig had gone to the wild, and it would take quite a while for those tusks to really grow in. And where had this beast, this hogzilla, been sighted? Per the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, principally at Ken's Hatchery and Fish Farms and its associated hunting grounds, a large property owned by 67-year-old Alapaha resident Ken Holyoke. This was interesting because Ken was already known to have a penchant for giant animals. A sign on the road apparently advertised that a record-breaking fish had been caught in his ponds. His land was a combination farm, hunting ground, and, yes, fishery. And Ken told reporters that he was no stranger to feral hogs, which were hunted on his property for sport. Even back in 2004, hogs were a headache for many landowners. Per the Journal-Constitution, quote, farmers in the area had complained about feral hogs, which root around looking for food and knocking down crops and vegetation. The Journal-Constitution interviewed a local biologist who explained that in Georgia, the feral hog population were usually, quote, domesticated hogs gone wild, but that some had mated with the descendants of the Russian boar. But he said, quote, there's no pure strain of Russian boar in Georgia. Holyoke told the paper that another farmer had imported the hogs for sport hunting. But as the article noted, quote, others said it was Holyoke himself. Ken may have had some general feral hog complaints when it came to his crops, but he also had, as we said, a steady business based on them. According to the spokesman review, quote, Enough wild hogs roam Holyoke's property that he's made it a side business to allow people to hunt them. But that did not mean he was keen to let anyone else try their hand at catching the giant swine. Per the review, Ken said that Hogzilla was just too big to let someone else shoot. He explained, we didn't want to take a chance of him getting away. After all, if Hogzilla ended up on someone else's land, then the story belonged to them. And that was some good advertising for any business. The place, Hogzilla, was captured. Maybe it's not surprising then that in late June of 2004, the reports came in. Per the Atlanta Constitution, a hunting guide named Chris Griffin, he was employed by Ken Holyoke, claimed he'd settled the issue. He had taken down Hogzilla. They claimed that the hog, who'd apparently been wandering the swamps, had shown up on the property and that Chris took his shot. He and Ken had taken a photo of six-foot-tall Chris posed like a toddler next to a truly enormous, betusked, mud-caked, hairy creature the size of a small boat. It was huge, gargantuan. And when Ken Holyoke weighed and measured the hog, he claimed that it did indeed weigh 1,000 pounds and that it was 12 feet in length. According to the New York Times, he did his measuring with a ruler, 
and then use, quote, peanut scales to get a weight. Per the Charleston Daily Mail, Ken claimed its tusks measured nine inches. For comparison, Outdoor Alabama puts the average at three to five inches. Ken told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that, to their knowledge, it was the largest feral hog on record. That was a huge deal for Ken's business, something that would attract visitors for years to come. So, strangers, you think that he would do everything in his power to verify that Hogzilla was real. After all, 2004 was well into the era of photo manipulation, and sightings had largely come in on Ken's property. You'd think he'd do what he could to prove his record-breaking trophy, except for one strange thing. Ken Holyoke didn't do anything of the sort. In fact, according to the Constitution, Ken Holyoke hadn't waited for a single person other than himself to verify Hogzilla's stats. For some reason, once he weighed and measured Hogzilla, he decided that they would immediately bury the hog, quote, with a backhoe on the farm. Hunters may be wondering why they did not process the meat. Holyoke said, quote, the meat of an animal that large wasn't tasty. And why didn't they decide to mount its head as a trophy? He explained, it was too big for normal mounting equipment. You'd need someone who mounts elephants. So what people were left with was, well, a photo. And there were locals and national readers who thought that this whole situation was a little fishy. A local alligator hunter told reporters that he'd, quote, trapped 200 feral hogs in one year, and he did not believe the story of Hogzilla's size. Per the Constitution, he scoffed at the idea of nine-inch tusks. Sounds like a hoax to me, he told the paper. I don't know, thousand-pound hog? I'd like to see it. Per the Atlanta Constitution, the online communities, they were ablaze too. Quote, speculation raged about the size of Hogzilla's snout and potential signs of digital photo tampering. Basically, some felt that the hog's nose was too small for the rest of its body, which in turn indicated the rest of the photo had indeed been manipulated. Ken Holyoke was defiant. As he told numerous outlets, he didn't much care who believed him or not. He knew what he saw and what he measured. So what was the solution? As the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported in spring 2005, quote, there was only one thing to do. The National Geographic Society sent a team of pig scientists to Alapaha to exhume Hogzilla's grave. And Nat Geo was not kidding around. This had to be an event, a televised one, with experts and lots of digging equipment, and of course, the participation of Ken Holyoke and his team. We suspect that some locals imagined there would be excavation of an empty grave. Pretty difficult to sell t-shirts then, although there have been cryptid economies built on less. But then, in March of 2005, a press release came via the AP. Documentary confirms Hogzilla's existence. Truly, a righteous day for Ken Holyoke. National Geographic and the television crew that accompanied them, they'd proven he was no liar. Except, well, things were a little more complicated. According to the AP, experts had, quote, 
donned biohazard suits to exhume the behemoth's smelly remains. The experts had to do some estimating, but based on their, well, expert opinions, Hogzilla was very big. But not as big as claimed. Rather than 12 feet and 1,000 pounds, their estimate came in at, quote, seven and a half to eight feet long and weighing about 800 pounds. Ken Holyoke's reaction? We'd call it mild irritation. He told reporters, I need to stress they did not have much to work with, seeing as how the poor beast had been underground for nearly six months. Per the Deseret Morning News, though, experts said that they had, quote, allowed for some shrinkage in making their final estimate. It seems Ken was not mollified by the record-setting National Geographic measurements of Hogzilla's tusks, even though their final numbers came in much higher than his original estimates. They recorded 18 inches for one and 16 for the other. The AP wrote that it was a, quote, Safari Club International North American Free Range record. What's interesting about that, though, is that some believed that there were signs that Hogzilla might not have been so free-range after all. Now, no one we found levied a charge directly at Ken Holyoke that he'd secretly raised and released the hog. But there were some pretty interesting critiques once more details of National Geographic's study were released. For instance, the Augusta Chronicle interviewed one of the team experts, an ecologist by the name of Jack Mayer. Per the paper, he doubted, quote, it was a true feral hog. He told reporters, there was a lot of stuff they filmed that they didn't show. The Chronicle wrote that, quote, the giant creature's hooves appeared worn down, possibly from spending time in a concrete floored pen. Jack Mayer explained that when you have hooves worn down like domestic pigs raised on concrete, that tells me there's no doubt he was raised in captivity. He also noted that, quote, the hog had a docked tail, like a domestic pig. He did explain that DNA tests had shown that Hogzilla had both boar and domestic DNA, like many feral hogs, but that made its provenance suspect. Jack Mayer also said that the tusks, which were nearly twice as long as originally reported, and he measured them himself, Quote, tell me it grew up in a very protected environment. Usually the tusks on adult males break, fighting for females, running into trees. They typically break them off. That, strangers, leaves us with a mystery that, in our opinion, might be stranger than the original does it or doesn't it exist story that swept the nation. Had someone been quietly raising a super feral hog only to release it? Or did it escape? Did anyone suspect Ken Holyoke? He certainly set off, though not on purpose, a run on giant feral hog news. Over the next few years, claims came in about even more enormous beast, called things like boss hog and monster pig and every other variation you can possibly imagine. Each was billed as even bigger than Hogzilla, Many were traced to their roots as former farm animals, which accounted for their size. But no one, to our knowledge, has ever figured out precisely from whence Hogzilla actually came. Maybe it really did emerge from those South Georgia swamps 
and hung on to its tusks through sheer cussedness. Maybe Ken Holyoke never meant to exaggerate its size at all. Or maybe he was right. Shrinkage was to blame. And we're too quick to think the fantastic is a fisherman's tale. And that a picture is meant to trick us, rather than to tell the truth. (sighs) Really, it is exhausting living in this internet age. Though we are glad that we can text each other about it as much as we want to now. So, that is a little progress. We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers. From the lives of regular people, just like you and me, except for one strange thing. We want to take a moment to let you know about an event that's happening this summer that you might be interested in. It's called the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival. It's taking place in Denver, Colorado from July 12th to 14th. You can find details in the link in our show notes. Strangers, I've released my first book, and it's available everywhere now as an audiobook, hardcover, and ebook. I read the audio version myself. It's called Lay Them to Rest, and it's about John and Jane Doe's, my years-long experience following forensic experts around the country, and our efforts to solve the mystery of a cold case. One Strange Thing is an independently produced podcast. To support the show and to hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, you now have three options to enjoy two extra bonus episodes a month. On Apple Premium and Supercast, you can get the bonus episodes delivered to your app of choice for just $2.99. And for $2 more a month on Patreon, you'll get more fun extras. There you'll find ad-free early releases of our regular episodes, two full-length bonus episodes, monthly giveaways, blog posts, and occasional live streams, all for $5 a month. We hope you'll check out one of these options and support the show. There's a link in our show notes. And if you enjoy One Strange Thing, please take a moment to leave us a great rating or review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.